the Mind Frames, the sometimes half-assed but always wholehearted film conversation. I am your host, Dave Canfield, and with me as always is... Michael Montague Cockrell. <laughs> and if that's not a hint to the movie that we are covering today, as well as the title of this episode, we are talking about Renfield, the... Well, you know, what type of movie it is is going to be one of our topics, actually. It's an action, horror, comedy, uh, mashup, cartoon episode-like movie that we got to see. Um, This film is directed by Chris McKay. And, uh, you know, when I look at Chris McKay's resume and when I think about Chris McKay, I'm going right into it here, Dave. (laughs) Apologies. Um, The word that comes to mind is bro, and that is not very fair. But let me explain what I mean. You know, he has been uh, kind of associated with that movement of like edgier, late night, probably a little bit catered to men humor styles. So he did do the Batman movie, you know, the Lego Batman movie. Excuse me. No, not the Batman. Uh, But he did do that somewhere. It's a big tonal switch, but he did do the Batman movie, the Lego Batman movie, excuse me again. And uh, that's pretty much his main credit in, as far as directing his own film. Uh, and it was very well received. It was considered funny, self-referential. Uh, you know, that was a pretty good film. He edited the Lego movie, the actual, the, the bigger Lego movie. Um, that's a pretty good, big credit. And um, we'll talk about thing. that. E- yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the editing of this movie. Uh, and maybe how editors go into directors and they get in love with editing. We'll talk about that with regards to Renfield. But I think most informing of his uh, history, Dave, and most like this and most choppy of where he got his chops for this movie, if you dig a little deep into his background, and this is kind of where I talk about why I call him a bro a little bit too, um, you will see that he directed several episodes of Robot Chicken, and moral oral and i think in terms of appeal tone comic sensibilities comedic sensibilities this movie is much more in line with robot chicken and moral oral you know and i am shocked dave is this the first time moral oral has ever come up in any uh episode of ours have you ever seen any episodes of moral oral i have and they left me absolutely on the floor it was a few years ago it's brilliant stuff um and deals, you know, with religion, I think, in a in a really good way. Um, you know, the the thing about Chris McKay is, you know, his association with Will Ferrell. And again, that whole sort of Broheim uh, kind of idea of humor where um, maybe some jokes are, 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 are getting out there that would not have happened today uh, is 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 inescapable. Um and I think that uh, he's a really interesting choice to direct this movie. I think that a lot of his direction works. Um, I think he doesn't get in the way too bad, but we're going to talk about that more. I think this movie might have other problems. Yeah, I, You know, you, I've been kind of running down the credits and talking about it a bit, and it makes sense that this movie emerged from someone like Chris McKay. And I, I think that the direction is pretty good here. Um you know, also very important, I think if you look at the writers, you, you call it Broheim. I'm not familiar with that term, but I like it. But the writers are very much from that world, too. You know, you have Ryan Ridley is one of the, the principal writers. Uh, 
unsurprising, I think he was on a season or two as a writer of Rick and Morty, very much along the same lines of edgy humor, yeah. uh, you know, adult swim style humor, uh, kind of like this film, I would argue is as well. But then you've got Robert Kirkman, who I don't know how I'd love. I didn't study the the history of how these all these all um, these people got together. But interestingly, he wrote for the um, animated series Invincible. Are you familiar with that series, uh, Dave? I'm not. It is one of the darkest things on television. It is amazing. It's animated. It's great. It's based off of the comic book Invincible, um, but it is extremely gory. And as is The Walking Dead. So I think and when we see all that gore and like that preponderance for gore. Yeah. Invincible is perhaps the goriest cartoon is it a ever, ever made. Is it it's, a very, it's very difficult to explain. It is a superhero-like universe. But it's kind of, you know, it's often compared to The Boys, both the show and the cartoon. And yeah. that it's like a very dark, bloody uh, world of superheroes. You know, people like to say that the boys are like, Oh, it's how superheroes really would be. No, you're, you're, you're a really depressed person. If you think that's the case, I'm sorry, but it's like a negative view of superheroes and invincible is kind of a double down on that. It is perhaps the most violent dark show. And it's not on television. It's, it's streaming only. So I, I I said it was the darkest show on TV. Uh, It's not, but yeah, it's dark. One of the things I think, one of the things I think that is in this movie's favor is, um, is is the writing uh not that it's problem free but you know robert kirkman is a co-creator of walking dead he's he's like he's like a an architect of the latter half of the their latter little bit of the 20th uh century um and uh, uh 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 of the mythos of the zombie becoming the big thing and um i think that uh it's interesting to see him tackling the character of Dracula. I mean, Dracula is one of those characters you kind of think, when are they going to stop making Dracula movies? And it's like, I think what the most popular character it and Sherlock Holmes and Frankenstein, I think are like, they've made more of those movies about those three characters than any other, any other characters in the, in the, in the history of film. Um, so you know people keep finding things to do um which these guys definitely did and this movie just definitely plays like the co-creator of the walking dead and one of the writers of rick and morty got together i i I should clarify i should clarify it does seem like robert kirkman is kind of from like a different world than the other people involved um i don't know i don't know if someone brought these people together but let me make one clarification uh, you said he's the co-creator of the Walking Dead. Um, I, I just like to point out he is not only the creator of the TV, the um, animated version of Invincible. He wrote the comic book too, so he wrote the adaptation of his own comic book. So uh, he's like both the comic book creator and the the TV show creator. And uh, I think he's bringing some of that violence and gore and that sensibility. But maybe he was brought in later. I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know it, either. He doesn't seem to mash with these other two, but definitely brings some gravitas and nerd uh, nerd authority to an otherwise, you know, um, you know, Robot Chicken is big. Being a writer on Robot Chicken is pretty big. Being a writer on Moral Oral is pretty big. But it's, you know, yeah, well, Robert Kirkman is like way <laughs> out of their league, really. Well, yeah, I mean, let's, face it. let's face it. I mean, guess who came up with the plot here or who saved the plot? Uh, it wasn't Chris McKay, and it probably wasn't. You don't Ryan know Gilbert. that. 
you're that's all speculation. But if I had to lay money on the table, I would lay money that the guy who uh, who has created complex stories like The Walking Dead, uh, and it sounds like Invincible, was the was the guy who sort of helped balance out a very busy movie. I I think you're reading a lot into it, and uh, I would say that th- to me this is much more like an episode of Robot Chicken or Rick and Morty, Morty than it is The Walking Dead. Um, so yeah, we're recommending Invincible, and I will say. Invincible is a lot like this movie in terms of tone because Invincible has a heart where the boys kind of has a black hole where your depression goes. <laughs> I'm going to get here about that one. I know, but Invincible has a heart and I think this movie has a heart too. So definitely this reminded me of Invincible and uh, I think it did before I knew Robert Kirkman was involved. So we do things backwards here, Dave. Have you ever noticed that? And I think it is reflective of who we are. And that is, we usually talk about the creators, the kind of more behind the scenes people, before we talk about the cast. Almost everyone else talks about the cast because they're in love with celebrity and movie stars. We're not. We are immune to that. We are so starstruck. Dave, uh, how many times have you brought something to an interview to have people sign? Do you know well, how embarrassing that is for me? I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to pretend like I, you get it done and they, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Well, and I do have to say though, I have seen. Then you sell it on eBay. No, I can't. I'm tons kidding. of movies, <laughs> lots more movies than you have. And I think that that's one of the weird things that balances us out is, you know, you are somebody who is super smart and, and resonates with film and has a heart for film and genre and, uh, you know, and I love those things too, but I just happen to be a film critic. Um, and you bring a, the, the balance that I need to not just be somebody who's, uh, in awe of, uh, uh, of whatever the latest new thing out there is. Um, um, plus not bad as, as you get older, you do a little bit less of that. It's been a while since I've gone to an interview, uh, and had some, I'd like, stuff. I would like to say that I've seen the good movies. Like I, I will acknowledge that you've seen more than yeah. me, but why watch movies that are, you know, uh, you know, you don't think you're going to enjoy when you only get to watch X amount of movies. I remember when I was a critic and I was going to the movies every day, um, you know, I still got to choose what movies I watched and I would watch critics walking in to see mm. movies like zombie strippers or whatever was playing that day. And do they, they still have movie. that room where you can go and watch a movie. They do. And I would watch these guys walk into that room and they would, I would go, what's wrong. He says, I'm about to lose two hours of my life. to zombie strippers. Cause I have to write a review of it. Yeah. And we're, we're in a different world than that. And I am a, a little world. grateful to not to have lived through that. Um, <laughs> like no, I'm t- glad we can choose the movies we do to some extent. All right. All right. We'll talk about that at the end when we reveal our next movie. Um, So what are we going to talk about? The cast. Okay. You know, we have Nick on Nick action here. Uh, This movie is starring Nicholas Holt. Uh, He is, you know, the lead. (laughs) Uh, Is he overshown? I don't know. Maybe. But uh, you 
we, Nicholas Holt is one of my favorite comedic actors out there. In fact, this film has three of my favorite comedic actors in general. Um, Nick Cage, Nicholas Holt, and Aquafina. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, what can I say? I love Nicholas Holt. I loved him in The Favorite. He's great in The Great, which um, despite its uh, Russian-oriented uh, plot, I'm glad to see has been renewed for another season. Um, he, pays, he plays Peter the Great there. Great, great portrayal there. He often plays a snotty, arrogant, aristocratic uh, person. And he is playing that here. Renfield, this version of Renfield is kind of a, uh, you know, he has that aristocratic side to him. He's got three names that he says all the time. Um, He has a posh British accent. Uh, You're looking at me doubtfully, Dave. But I would say that uh, this version of Renfield is a little bit more upper class than uh, we saw in the previous things, I think. Um, or maybe I, that's just so embowed with Nicholas Holt, he can't get rid of it. Well, I think I think that, you know, upper class, definitely. Um, this Renfield is, you know, somebody they want you to feel a lot of sympathy for. And he's trying to fit into the world. And he kind of can't because he's frozen in time. Because for the last, you know, 90 years, he's been under the thrall of his master, you know, uh, uh, played by Nicholas Cage, Dracula. Um, so, you know, with that though, goes, like you said, like a really awful history. Um, and that's something else maybe we could talk about at one point. I'm not sure this movie earns where we wind up with Renfield. Um, Mm -hmm. this movie, uh, you know, Renfield is a familiar to a really awful, awful, awful character and has done some really horrendous things in his life. And the movie just sort of glosses that over a little bit for my taste. Um, could have been, um, well, we'll get it about Nicholas Holt that, you know, that's a plot problem. That's not a Nicholas Holt problem. No, I I thought he delivered the joke. I thought he delivered the jokes really well. I thought that he was very, um, you know, he's got a kind of a a fine line to tread between the original character was kind of insane, was insane. And this Renfield is more desperate and tired because it's 90 years later, as the trailer says. So I thought Nicholas Holt did great. And you're right. The character, we see the character and we know the character does horrible things. But Nicholas Holt is charming enough and uh, perhaps good looking enough and aristocratic enough for us to continue to love. And I think that he, I thought he did great. And I thought his comedy really worked really well here. You never never think he's above the the material. He's always very present and makes, uh, makes, you know, makes makes it sing uh he's 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 not there to just turn in a performance or lean on a posh accent uh for effect he's he's creating a character and i do think um in terms of nicholas holt's career he's much more successful um in a in a comedic role i i've liked most of his comedic roles have you did you see uh, uh i think it's 2021's tolkien he was the star the dramatic star of that, Dave. I know you've yeah. seen so much more movies than me. Oh, you actually saw that? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not recommending it at all. I'm just saying no. that uh, that was that was kind of like when I saw that. I'm like, oh, Nick Holt, I love you so much, but you got to stick to comedy, maybe. Uh, which he does. It does a great job here, and I'm so glad that he was able to lead a movie. I'm a little disappointed that this movie is bombing, uh, but uh, but yeah, basically, uh, if you need a kind of dangerous snotty dismissive aristocratic british guy he's he's a good great to good go-to uh but i think if you look at the favorite and other things he's done 
Uh, he's often, you know, that kind of often comes with aristocratic in American movies. Is he Metro? Are we using the term Metro these days? That... I think that's long gone. <laughs> you know who I also thought was a little effeminate, or I, I thought the portrayal might have been intentionally a little effeminate. I don't mean this as a um, as a dig at all, by the way. Uh, I think Dracula's performance by mm. our next gentleman, Nicholas Cage was intentionally a little effeminate. And I don't know, is that because that's our perception of aristocracy here in America? Or is that just Nicolas Cage being campy? Did we mention this movie is campy as hell? What do you think? <laughs> what did you think of Nicolas Cage's performance in Renfield, Dave? Well, you know, uh, Nicolas Cage um, is known for going what's called full cage. So he has made great movies and won Oscars. And he's made a lot of direct-to-video stuff, and he's made a lot of crazy-ass movies. Um, and people love to watch him go berserk in these quirky um, performances that he likes to give. Uh, but if you think you've seen Nicolas Cage go batshit before, this movie really lets him go batshit. <laughs> I mean, his Dracula in this movie is there's just nothing. There's just never, ever been a Dracula like it. I, I, I think that uh, I'm going to go and, 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 you know, if we talk about Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee and these suave sort of like sexual uh, Draculas or, you know, uh, the Dracula of, a, of, of, of other even vampire comedies like love at first bite, where you get kind of a wounded aristocrat feeling. Um, he is an absolute boss here. I mean, he's in control of Renfield's life, uh, but he's also a creature of the night. He's a weird. This is not a human being. This is somebody who used to be a human being, and now they are whatever Dracula is, and there's just nobody to bring that to jerky, quirky life for me like, like uh, Nicolas Cage. He's simultaneously threatening. He's uh, a very, very funny all, all through it and uh, even manages to sort of dig into a tiny bit of pathos in, in uh, some of the lies that he, you know, plies Renfield with to, to, to get him to do what he wants him to do. Um, really, I, you know, I, 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 you want me to just go on and on gushing about Nicholas Cage? I think he's, he's, he's not the lead in this film. Um, um, but he's, it's absolutely one of the great uh, 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 batshit Christopher uh, or Nicholas Cage uh, movies. Were you about to say Christopher Lee? Yeah, but the man again. I'm just inspiring people to roll over in their graves. That's no good. So yeah, Nicholas Cage movie. I mean, he owns scenes. Um, there's a scene where I I, I don't know. I, I wish I could credit. He's literally chewing the makeup while he's chewing the scene. So. Uh, <laughs> I mean, beloved, and uh, there's a a lot of the complaints about the editing and the pacing of this movie is that Nicolas Cage isn't in it enough. I don't know if I share those concerns, but um, if you're going to this movie thinking Nicolas Cage, it's going to be all Nicolas Cage all the time, you will not see that. However, Nicolas Holt is great. Uh, You know who else is in this movie, Dave? Another actor that I love uh, and an actor that we do not see nearly enough of, and I think should be cast in every movie, but I know how we know how Hollywood is. 
anyway, Aquafina's in this. You know I love Aquafina. Oh my gosh. And I had heard and read so many negative things about her plotline and her her uh, performance in this film before I went to see it. And I got to say, they were totally wrong. I am still an Aquafina stand. She's great in this, in this film. Um, she has a great chemistry with Nicholas Holt. I think they feed off of each other's comedic timing. I think she hits all of her comedic notes. Uh, I think she's totally believable as the character she is. You know, maybe some of her dramatic stuff fails, and it's unclear what type of relationship she's supposed to have with Nicholas Holt. We'll talk about that when we get to the editing commentaries on this film. But those things are not not Aquafina's to bear. I think for the things that she was given, she does great in this movie. I want to see her in more. I think she's a great comedic actress. And, um, you know, I like to see people my age in movies. It seems like we have like, once you turn 29, you could be, you can be 18 to 29 in a film, or you can be 65 plus. (laughs) (laughs) I like to see someone who's actually my age in a movie. Uh, and, uh, Thank you. Thank you. You know, so. I I think the script, like you said, the script is the big issue with this film. It's full of characters. It's it's full of um um business. Um that it it uh that it, that might have been better spent on um de- develop the development of a few simple relationships. Um because all the cast is 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 up for it um she is she's great in this you know she was uh put in a plug for the cfca of course you know people here in chicago will remember having seen the farewell in 2019 aquafina was was our guest at the chicago uh film um uh, critics film festival and you know it was apparent then how big she was going to be she's just a person with an enormous amount of talent and heart and um is uh you know this character is her character is really unique um we've seen a lot of tough female cops they're considered as a trope of that in movies but i don't think you've seen very many like this um this character is a little lost she's a little awkward and um she's not we're not here to talk about millennials dave but you will you will know that she is kind of like as she often is and this is one of the reasons why i love her and how she's cast um but she's kind of the lost millennial you know but we're not here to talk about that again she's not a romantic interest pretty face with a gun um she brings a lot more to this character than that ah but was she supposed to be a romantic interest we should talk about that um i mean uh yeah well she's not in this film um perhaps at least not in the cut of it we got (laughs) uh well anyway um so yeah i had no problems with the cast at all i had no problems with the comedy at all uh it was great to see nicholas holt do some action scenes i haven't seen him really do action but maybe i've not you know there was that great fight in tolkien i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) he does do some pretty actiony dancing though in uh, the favorite if i recall uh do you know um dave do you did First of all, we got let's do some little trivia here. We usually do that at the end, but before we get into the reviews, I thought there were some interesting things in here. Uh, th- some things with this movie. Nicolas Cage may or may not have paid, played a vampire before. He's never played Dracula. He said that it's been on his um, on his bucket list to play Dracula. 
uh, and box checked. But uh, are you? Can you guess the movie where Nicolas Cage may or may not have played a vampire? Well, which one I'm, I'm thinking of? You, there may be more, but the one I'm thinking of. What do you? Well, what do you think dude, it is? Dude, come on! I mean, the greatest of all Nicolas Cage batshit. What on earth is he doing? Performance movies is Vampire's Kiss. Oh, that's um, exactly what I was talking about. Of course, that's what I was talking was- about. When he was inspired, you know, he had a really neat idea for that film. And that was, what if I do a Nicholas Shrek, or I'm sorry, a Max Shrek Nosferatu inspired performance, a silent film performance in a movie that's not a silent movie. And that's his performance that in, in, uh, in Vampire's Kiss. Um, Yeah, it's just great. So yeah, he may or may not be a vampire in that film, but uh, he's definitely Dracula in this one. Um, another thing, Nick Holt and Nicolas Cage were in a movie together, but where Nick, Nick Holt played Nicolas Cage's son, The Weatherman. I haven't seen it, but hey, that's interesting. Have you seen that's that, Dave? Movie. Yeah, it's a good film. It's, uh, it's um, isn't uh, Sam... Uh... No, no, no. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Matchstick Men. Um, there's another film that he was in, but which is also a good film. You got me Googling. Uh, I ha- don't remember anything about The Weathermen. It's from 2005. Um, <laughs> directed by Gore Verbinski. A Chicago weatherman separated from his wife and children debates whether professional and personal successes are mutually exclusive. Oof, yeah, I'm glad I skipped that one based on that plot. Um, well-reviewed film. Well-liked. Okay. Well, well if, good, if, we do a, if I do a Gore Verbinski um, retrospective, then I will go see it. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be coming, but, you know, maybe. What's your, what's your take on Gore Verbinski? All right, we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> the Ring, The Ring, um, Rango. I mean, Gore Verbinski is a great director. He's done some great stuff. The Mexican, yeah, he's, he's got some good stuff. Yeah. The Lone Ranger uh, notwithstanding, that... Uh, that didn't give anybody any favors. His Although a lot of people really like that film. Uh, his breakthrough, I think, was the Budweiser Frogs commercial. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm serious. <laughs> Let's do our reviews of Renfield. Does it, you find that? We didn't mention Ben Schwartz. I, you know, oh. speaking of breakthroughs, we didn't mention Ben Schwartz, who plays a very weird character in this film, which is like a gangster, like a mama's boy gangster that <laughs> runs into Dracula. We'll be the getting into that plot soon. Us. But yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about a hustler, Ben Schwartz has tried to direct, he's tried to produce. He was in Parks and Recreation as like a minor character, kind of like an improvised minor character. I know fans of that show would probably hate me saying he was minor, but I, you know, he wasn't a star of the show. Um, and he's been like, he directed a movie, he started his own movie. He's really out there hustling. Uh, but he came, I'd have to look it up, but it was something, some crazy uh, thing. Well, you got me Googling again. But, yeah, let's Google uh, it. He's one of those people who's really trying to break through the top, and I think uh, it's interesting he's in this movie. What do we got here? Oh, yeah, he's been a busy guy. Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh (laughs) And and he usually plays people just like this, like kind of like a vaguely ethnic, I guess you would call him casting. Like he's playing Italian here, but like I think like he's Armenian or Italian in the uh, Parks and Rec. You know, kind of like vaguely ethnic sleazeball. This is kind of how I would describe how he usually gets cast, but great comedic actor does a great job here and has tried a thousand things. Um, 
working his way up that that ladder, that frugal Hollywood. Yeah, he's ladder. great. He's great in this, and uh, um, so is the woman who plays his mother. She's really a good mob boss in this film. Um, yes, a very interesting choice. I thought she did fine. Yeah, let's review. Let's review Renfield. Uh, do you want me to go first, or you to go first, Dave? I'll, I'll go. Okay, look, there's a lot of reasons people might see a commercial for Renfield and think I'm going to go see that movie or see the trailer. One, you have cage. It is absolute cagey craziness. Uh, you have uh, Nicholas Holt, a lot of Nicholas Holt fans out there. Um, you have the fact that it's a horror movie uh, or at least in part a horror movie. Um, and you have the fact that it's a horror comedy. And so we know horror comedy, the great ones are, Truly great, Shaun of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead. Um, even the bad ones are usually pretty fun. Scary um, movie. Scary movie, right. So I would put this firmly in those categories. But I will say this. I think something that gets in the way in this movie is is the action. If I had to pick one element that I was going to pluck out of the air and say, this is this is what is holding this movie back is there's a lot of really fun action in this movie. There's a lot of really funny, uh, gory, intense action in this movie. Um, and I don't mind the idea uh, that Renfield, when he eats bugs, sort of turns into a superhuman um, because of this connection to Dracula um, so that he can do Dracula's bidding, but now he's doing it to kind of live his own life. Um, but I wish this movie had stayed more with the central idea, and that was of... of Renfield trying to win emotional emancipation from this codependent relationship he has with Dracula. Um, Cage is never anything less than absolutely fascinating when he's on screen here. Nicholas Holt is more than able to hold his own. And I'm sure they could have found a way to, to do Aquafina's character justice without having to have the mob subplot, um, which at the end of the day, um, was really done better in uh, a John Landis movie called Innocent Blood um, that was also a vampire comedy done in, I believe, 1988. Uh, and um, uh, it had fairly serious characters that you, that you kind of cared about in the middle of also being a vampire comedy. This movie doesn't really have uh, as much character development as it needed. That said, I'm giving it three out of five stars. Mike and I had a lot of fun. We laughed really hard a few times. Well worth well worth the ticket price. I also am giving this three out of five stars. I'm giving it a favorable review. We're going to have a whole section on does this work question marks where we can discuss the problems with this film. But the things that work with this film for me overcome the things that do not. Uh, I did not mind the action at all. The entire universe of this film is over the top, which worked for me. And by setting that stage, I could absorb all of the crazy, cheesy acting, the crazy, it would, and cheesy in a good way. I love cheese. I love cheese, but cr cheesy in a good way. Dracula being incredibly uh, a, a, a portrayed as an abusive narcissist. Um, I could handle all of that. And, it, it, and to me, those things overcame the negatives, which we'll get to in more in depth in the uh, spoiler-free edition. I think it's so rare to have a fun movie come out. It's so rare to have a horror comedy come out. I think the last one we did was what? Anna and the Apocalypse, Dave? 
Yeah. Uh, we often talk about that movie because we review so few fun movies. Dropping things over here. And this movie has great comedy. Does the action work for me? Mostly. Does the dramatic works parts work? Mm, I don't know. Was it chopped to pieces on the editing floor? Uh, was it three-fourths of it left on the editing room floor? Maybe, including whole plots. And There are a lot of shortcuts taken in the, in the storytelling. Um, but if you can set that aside and treat it like a cartoon that's on at 11 p.m. on, then I think you can have a lot of fun here. And I think it's too rare. We don't value enough fun at the movies. We don't value silly and slapstick enough at the movies. For, and for those reasons, I recommend you go see Renfield. Renfield, your sole purpose in life is to serve me. Now, let's eat. I just want a normal life again. God bless you, Mr. Renfield. Oh, God bless you, nuns. You're a hero. Robert Montague Renfield. Let me explain. I work for Dracula. Count Dracula? It's the real Dracula! Some call me the Dark One. Others, the Lord of Death. <laughs> so you bring in people to eat? Well, I do other stuff. Like what? Wash his cape? No. The cape is dry clean only. Strictly. I don't think he's such a bad guy. But you're never really going to be free until you face him. I will no longer tolerate abuse <laughs> i deserve happiness let me explain something to you okay you deserve only suffering i will unleash an army of death everyone you care about will suffer because you betrayed me and now we will move on to talk more in depth with some spoilers in our spoiler free section there aren't really themes we can parse out of here once again you know it's a comedy it's it's for fun um it would be hard to, to pull themes out of here. We do that better with a more um, dense movie. But that being said, there are a lot of things to say about Renfield that we want to say. I think we really have two big things. Like I said, they're not themes, but two big topics we like to cover. And we didn't get into this in our, in our first part, but one is Renfield the character. And the second one will be, when we get to it, does this movie work? Which is kind of an expansion of our reviews. Um, but let's talk about Renfield. You know, as a character, and he is in the original Bram Stoker's novel. Uh, you would be hard-pressed, Dave, if you had not seen or are not familiar with 1931's Dracula, you would be hard-pressed to know WTF is going on in this movie. Now, they do they do introduce Renfield with the, like, the reshot scenes of uh, 1931's Dracula, uh, which is a great, and I love that. He loves seeing Nicolas Cage play the classic Dracula that was originally done so well by Bela Lugosi. It's perfectly uh, done, and it is a joy to watch. But, you know, but if you don't know who Renfield is, you, uh, you're not <laughs> given much to learn about him. It's, a, it's Dracula's guy, uh, Dracula's friend. Or as it said in the trailer, which does not appear in the film, uh, Aquafina says, you're like, you get the villain Postmates. You get the <laughs> villain's Postmates. Um so let's talk about Renfield, the character, and whether it's done justice here and whether it is enough to have a movie. Uh, so he is in the book, isn't he, Dave? He what, do you, what do you know about what, what, what's going on with the book, Renfield? 
Well, in the in the book Renfield, Renfield is a character um, that is um, uh, kind of taken advantage of, corrupted by Dracula, but he's already a, a, in an asylum in London that's run by the Seward, uh, 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 the, the Seward family. And so his character um, is uh, just sort of introduced into the book um, later on in the book. Um, and, you know, he, he does eat bugs uh, for their life force um, and Dracula's presence of, you know, bigger lives down the road and the intimation that maybe he too might become, you know, more than he is, which is just this, you know, scurvy little man servant who kind of just does whatever Dracula wants him to do. Um, but he kind of exists mainly to, to just teach uh, or to just, you know, let the reader know about Dracula. Um, he's not as much of a, quite as much of a, a, a character um, that, that springs to life uh, as he does in the 1931 film. Um, and can I, can I say the thing about the film? Can I talk about Dwight? Perry yeah, now? sure. Uh, let's do it. That's the Renfield that this film is based on. Yeah. And I, I just like to say that in the movie in, in, in the Bram Stoker version of Renfield, there's nothing. Renfield does not have superpowers. He is not healed miraculously by Dracula's blood that I recall. Um, that's all. Those are just plot conveniences created for the film Renfield, which is based yeah. on what they, the 1931 version of Dracula, which of course it's based on Bram Stoker's novel, but it's also based on a play by uh, David L. Balderston. And if you want to know anything about the history of the Dracula narrative, go get the book Hollywood Gothic by David J. Skull. Uh, um, he is uh, an amazing guy. He actually rediscovered the uh, 1931 Spanish language Dracula that was shot at night on the same sets with a Spanish language cast and crew while the American cast and crew slept. Um, and it's a great film. I actually like it better than the Lugosi version. Um, you know, hot take. Uh, but the thing about the 1931 Dracula is uh, uh, the American version is it has um, not only Bella Lugosi's Dracula, but it has Dwight Fry as, uh, as Renfield. And Dwight Fry is introduced, Renfield is introduced right away at the beginning of the film. He's the person who comes over, signs over uh, Carfax Abbey to Dracula, and then accompanies him back to America, um, is present for the slaughter of all the uh, uh, sailors on the ship Demeter, um, and is promptly put into a sanitarium after that. Um, It's Fry's performance as this tortured corrupted tragic figure that really is why we have this movie Renfield today. Renfield has been played by a lot of different actors, Klaus Kinski uh, in Dress Franco's Count Dracula, 1970 Tom Waits in Bram Stoker's Dracula, 1992 that was famously done by Francis Ford Coppola and really, really funnily by Peter McNichol in Dracula dead and loving it, which was, you know, Mel Brooks, sort of like uh return to form after uh, young Frankenstein um, uh, return to monster form, I should say, but it's, you know, it, it's Dwight Fry's 
um, inescapable humanity, I think, that uh, would give anybody the idea to to create, um, uh, uh, you know, a horror comedy based around him. Um, that and the famous Dwight Fry laugh. <laughs> so uh, you hear Nicholas Holt do a little bit of that in this film. Um, but I, but I think, uh, you know, he even reminded me of Dwight a couple of times in his, uh, in his, in his heartbreaking, uh, you know, um, you know, sense of being trapped, uh, in this relationship. I think the character is definitely based on him. He's pretty much wearing the same clothes as, um, from the 1931 film. It's clear to me that Nicholas Holt studied the movements of that actor and definitely the laugh. And I heard in some interviews that as well. Um, so very much this is a more comedic, stable version of the person we got in 1931, which is very, very iconic. And um, that was pretty much the pinnacle of his career, right, Dave? He didn't go on to anything else uh, after that. The sad or, thing... Successfully, I mean, he tried to. Yeah, the sad thing about Dwight Fry, and again, which kind of gives him this in, 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 you know, inextricability that he's always going to be identified as Renfield is uh, he only has really one other part people remember him from. Uh, and that's uh, being Fritz, the uh, hunchback uh, assistant of Dr. Frankenstein in the movie Frankenstein, uh, which later was kind of, you know, transmogrified into the character Igor that was played by Bela Lugosi. Uh, he's magnificent in Frankenstein as well. But uh, Dwight Fry died uh, more or less of exhaustion working from what I've read uh, four or five jobs and performing and trying to support his family. So, um, you know, sadly, a tragic, a tragic story in a lot of ways and definitely one that reminds you of Renfield. Interesting. Did not know all that. Thank you. Um, Classic character. So this is a, this. Are we to believe that this is a sequel to 1931's Dracula? Are these the same characters? I mean, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, you you brought that up initially, and I thought, really, you want to call this a sequel? And it took you about a minute to convince me. <laughs> it's absolutely a sequel. In fact, they kind of re, they they reshot the scenes. That wasn't just for our enjoyment. That's that's the that's their background. Yeah, their background is the 1931 film. Um, Renfield's really grown since 1931, and the trailer does say it's 90 years later, which would put it at 2021. So, he's taller, um, too. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely taller, has better skin and teeth. Well, maybe not better teeth. I, I think uh, Mr. Fry had pretty good teeth, but he's looking he's looking pretty well. They really made Nicholas Holt look very pale. You know, if you meet him in person, he is a very handsome man with tan. He's pretty tan, you know, in shape, and has great cheekbones. Definitely could be a lead outside of a, a deranged lunatic. Um, he, of, of course, he plays Peter the Great. What do you expect? But they really made him look very pale and kind of gaunt in this. Uh, great, great job with the makeup. Yeah, it's it's weird to think of him in the menu and then him in this. Oh, you know, how have we not mentioned the menu? Of course, when we're talking about how much I love Nicholas Holt, uh, we, we did do the menu just a few episodes ago. He's great in the menu, too. And even there, he's kind of the, the same kind of character. I don't know if you could call him aristocratic in the menu, but he's that, like, snotty, know-it-all, better-than-you type. 
like in, in where he like snaps her hand away to take pictures of the food. That's I could see our Renfield here doing that too. Um, yeah. Oh, man. only it would be a bug. It would be it would a bug. Be, it's like no, 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 no. That's for Dracula. To fly off the plate, and I'm going no, 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 no. So for a few more minutes, Dave, let's talk a little bit more about this film and and specifically. We both gave it positive reviews, but it is it is kind of bombing, and I don't think that's this movie's fault entirely. I think people have forgotten how to have fun post-COVID. They've forgotten how to go to the movies. But this movie is... Pro- I don't know if it's going to recoup the cost. Ah, that's not, that's not good. No, it's um, not. And, and I don't know what to say. You does, know, what, does this movie work? I guess is, is, is what, I, what I'm saying here. We, we teased a little bit. It's got action. It's got comedy. It's got dramatic elements. And they are not... They're, you know, they're kind of jammed together, aren't they? Um, yeah. And I think that's a lot of people's problems. It's like, well, they, they saw Nicolas Cage as, as Dracula. And then they went and Aquafina's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is like, and Nicolas Cage is, is like sleeping half of the movie, okay? Um, and really, you know, if you have Dracula and Renfield has superpowers and suddenly Renfield is Captain American a bar, you know, uh, taking Captain out American instead of a shield. He has a little tin tin like container and we always see him able to eat a bug just in time to be able yes. to leap into, you know, whatever. And, and the bug eating is such a thing of convenience to give him superpowers, which it's kind of it's very strange uh that is like and there's just one line where they explain it they're like i eat bugs it gives me power okay and I've, know, not seen, they, I've not seen any other dracula movie that takes advantage of that. no i think they completely invented that and in, in fact in the original dracula in in 1931 i think the bug eating is just a sign of renfield's insanity and how dracula is abusing him and i don't know if he dracula found him in this state made it worse or completely created it but it is not a good thing. It does not give him power that he eats. Uh, I know. And in, and in the 31 film, there's that marvelous scene where Dwight Fry talks about how the master has promised to give him lives. And you just see him like, you know, light up and as in his madness, as he's thinking about being able to graduate to larger and larger and larger sources of blood. Yeah. So in the, yeah, in the book and in the, in the 1931 film, especially in the book, the original Brahms Stoker book, Renfield is insane and wants to steal the life force from insects and creatures like birds and other things. Um, and whether or not Dracula create put him in that state or whether or not he loves Dracula because Dracula is the ultimate embodiment of that. Um, I don't know which, which came first there, but um, this Renfield it's real. He's really actually getting their life force from these creatures. And uh, boy, those are some strong bugs. Those little tiny flies are could possess the, the strength of a hundred men. Um, well, so, but in general, yeah. everything is over the top on this movie. So, if you're not in for any of those elements, if you don't, if you're not in for drama, the drama is is kind of over the top and a little watered down. I mean, I mean, it's a little over the top, but I think it got watered down in editing. So that you're like, oh, drama. If you're not in it for action, like think kind of you do or Dave, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much action now. So it's got like almost everything that could kind of turn someone off and they tried to kind of combine them all together. Um, and yeah, I like, can, I can see why people are, are like, there's a lot of things like if you don't like gore, you can't watch this movie. If you, well, like, yeah. yeah. 
Well, like if you, you know, it's, it's like if you're going to this movie for any particular reason, you're going to find a fair bit of that there, but you're not going to find enough. Whether it's the, except for maybe the humor. Enough this to is, turn you off, but not as, enough to satisfy it if you're looking for that. Yeah, but this is a very funny movie. I think if it, if it does any, it does two things perfectly. One is Cage is just, I can't sing the praises enough. I just, I, I think the humor is on point. Yes. I think the humor is on point. And the humor is great. Uh, the other elements are, well, I think the, the main problem with this is there were too many plot threads. Yes. There are too many plots. They introduce the gangsters. They have really no reason to exist. And probably at some point in the process, decisions had to be made. And what type of decisions? Decisions to where you edit out the scenes that make the things fit together <laughs> cohesively. <laughs> so yeah, this film was undoubtedly hacked to pieces. You don't have to know too much to know that. Uh, because there are far too many convenient plot holes, as, as you said, Dave, when we talked. There are far too many unexplained things, like what the hell the criminals are even doing or who they are. They're never really introduced, except for... <clears throat> my mom's bad and we're criminals. Um, I'm sure there was more of that and they somehow would have tied in more cleanly to Aquafina's father and death. We didn't even talk about the father element and the sister. So, you no. know, we have the, the sister who's in the FBI and the corruption of the police. And what did you call Aquafina's character again? The, the, the Copafina uh, plot line. Yeah. <laughs> the Copafina plot is where we're losing people. I don't know if you need, I love Aquafina being in the movie, but if she was just a girl that lived lived in the apartment next to the one Renfield rented, how much could have been saved? <laughs> Why does yeah. she need to be a cop that's avenging her dead father and corruption? You know, she doesn't need, none of that ties to Renfield or Dracula, except, you know, she is overcoming narcissistic personalities. I don't know. She should have just been the girl next door or the neighbor or the person who guides Renfield. And absolutely, Dave. Everybody's had- going to walk out of this movie saying, they should have done this. They should have done that. Absolutely. She was intended to be the romantic interest as well. I think now so. there is a lot of, of, of signs that that is the case. And maybe I will come back and eat crow later when I, it comes out that she wasn't, but sitting on the, they're sitting on the couch and they're bonding. And at one point they're called like, Oh, it's your new boyfriend. Um, there's just, and they also cast them. They're about the same age, you know, yeah. why they undid that or I'm thinking they probably undid that. I have no idea, but to me, their chemistry was great. And I think if if you want to chemistry is charming as hell, but it it could have been that that was just one more plot line that couldn't go there. It's like, well, do we drop the sister? Do we drop the mom being the worst mob boss in the world? Or we drop the romance. And given that the romance might be the one you drop because everything else is so jammed in there. And Perhaps they discovered as like we're kind of saying that the dramatic elements are the ones that didn't work. So it's like, well, let's take out the let's take out some oh, of the dramatic elements. I know this is the thing. It's it's frustrating. It's like it's a puzzle you want to take apart and put back together. And um and 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 part of the problem is, you know, I bet if you took all the footage that was cut out of this movie, there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. Um, maybe, maybe not. You know? I, I just I just think that it it could have been like I when I said when we introduced uh, Chris McFay, I was like, "You're an editor." I mean, I think this could have been edited 
better. But maybe being an editor causes you to want to edit things more. I don't know. But one mm-hmm. one way or the other, I think they came up with a pretty good product. And, you know, this yeah. is like arm, armchair quarterbacking. But they came up with a pretty good product. But there's a, there are a lot of signs that this was chopped to pieces. Well, and, um, I'm, and I'm going to throw uh, this out there. You can react to it. When I look at this movie, especially when I look at these overstuffed movies where there's all these subplots and different things, you know what it feels like to me? It feels like the introductory episode of a TV show. So, you know, they used to do movies and then they would take the movie and they would do sequels. Now, you know, a fair bit of the time, you know, film and TV and everything, they just feed into each other. And... Um, you have the TV version of the movie universe and vice versa. I think that in this movie, you could really see, you know, Aquafina rising up through the ranks and trying to maintain this sort of secret, you know, relationship with Renfield, who's now become sort of an, an, uh, an, a bug eating Avenger. And then Dracula finds a way back sooner or later from the nethers. And, you know, it, it, you, you could build a whole like, fun little like few seasons of a tv show out of that yeah renfield's distant time away from dracula was kind of put into a collage so we're led to believe that it's like a day but perhaps it, you know yeah there yeah they're they're just like i think people go to this movie and they're like something's missing they're like who are these criminals and why is renfield in an apartment now and why are these two kind of acting like they're boyfriend and girlfriend but they're not and i think that comes from the editing process yeah, that sense that people are getting comes from a movie that was edited. Now, it could be what they cut was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know, Dave. Like that scene where Nicolas Cage is being totally charming and threatening and striking the perfect balance of threatening and charming in the apartment, in Renfield's oh, apartment. There could be eight scenes where Nicolas Cage is ridiculous that just got cut. Okay, we don't know. Where Nicolas Cage is just nothing but a ridiculous parody of Dracula. So, but maybe those were scenes where Aquafina and Renfield fall in love. And I don't even remember Aquafina's character's name. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the Nick Cage, the thing about the Nick Cage performance, uh, and I did feel like this stood out, was you had that scene in the apartment and and scenes when he's talking to Renfield where you really see the codependency of their of 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 of, of, of and the evil of what he's doing, and yet he's a he's a boob but then later you see him as renfield has been nursing him back to health because of you know, the severe injuries he incurred during uh during um an attempted assassination on, uh, of dracula but he's all like lumpy and ugly and walking around like he's still the suave dracula guy but sort of hunched over and and um He's ridiculous and he's hysterically funny. It's 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 something that shouldn't really quite work. Oh, the comedy is so good in here. But Nicholas it Kate, it's got some great lines and some great sight gags as well. Oh, yeah. Um like the Dracula blood, the 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 uh, nuns, the cheerleaders in the bus. It's got some great oh, sight that's... gags. The throne with uh, all of the blood coming to it. There's a lot of sight gags in here you could but I I feel like yeah, I I I think that the I can understand where they lose people with Capofina, even though I think the movie needs Aquafina, maybe not in the way she's, but there are some signs that it was edited. Like if you look at the early trailers, um, it seems to set up, well, first of all, there's tons of 
there's tons of lines in the trailers that don't make it to the final movie, which is normal and fine. But the fact that like almost every line in the trailers on the movie is is something. Uh, yeah, and this yeah. Is so that, this is a movie I didn't see any garlic in this movie. No garlic. Um, no one else was turned into a vampire. And I and I yeah I mean so it does do um, some interesting things with the vampire lore. Um, well, I guess we'll leave a surprise. We won't tell them what we won't tell them about everything, but, but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I was, uh, again, you're in mourning for a, a little bit for, I want to see, I'd love to see Nicholas Cage again in the role. I'd love to see Nicholas hold again in the role, but now they're stuck. I don't know how they're going to. I think this will become a cult classic and it's, it's flaws are, are definitely, completely bulldozed over by me by the by the benefits of the movie yeah me too but the flaws i get you i get you people who who see flaws in it no movie is perfect this is not a perfect movie um yet i think it has a lot of people i like and elements i like and great comedy it is a successful comedy shall we talk about some other things let's move on to our goodbye section you know you were about to go into a little, uh, I cut you off. You're about to go into a little rant about other vampire movies or vampire. Oh lore. yeah. Um, in terms of vampire lore, I mean, this is pretty much, I think they really tried to respect existing vampire lore. And besides making Renfield a superhero with bug eating powers, I don't think they messed with the lore too much though. They did leave a lot of things out. Like you said, anything interesting in here from a lore perspective that, you think uh, is worth noting before we talk about other vampire movies that are funny or remind us of this one? Well, I think, I think a really interesting thing about this movie is that this movie thoroughly does away with the helpless female uh, character that uh, we associate with the vampire uh, films. Um, And especially Dracula. Yeah, and and it remi- and it reminds me a little bit of the nineteen seventy nine John Badham, Frank Langella Dracula, uh, that was really almost a feminist Dracula in some ways, um, but um, but in that movie you had the you had a feminine character who was kind of like throwing her lot in willingly with Dracula, um who's then vanquished by the powers that be here. Aquafina is always very clearly, you know, a heroic character and Nicholas Cage is always very clearly a villain. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different approach to, um, uh, to, to, to a strong female character. So what movies did this remind us of? You want to go first? You know, I, I thought of Vampire's Kiss. How could you not? Right? Um, we yeah, already yeah. mentioned that one. Um, before watching this movie, I hate to take you from... Let's just jointly talk no, no, about... No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just jointly talk about what we do in the shadows. Be- before we... You know, I love that movie. And before we watched this film, I was very concerned that it would steal a lot from what we do in the shadows. Because that is so dominating in terms of vampire comedy. And I can say... It does not steal anything. It's got a totally different tone, a totally yes. different take on on vampires, and I was very relieved to not have that happen during the during the the film. Um, 
what we do in the shadows and Dracula dead and loving it are the two greatest vampire comedies ever made from my point of view. Um, but, uh, um, but this is a darn good one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's funny when you think of like, you know, what are the great vampire comedies? I mean, it's interesting because you have movies like lost boys and fright night, which have lots of action, lots of silliness, but they also have really tight plots and well-developed characters who go through defined arcs um, and that don't feel loose or monkeyed with. Um, And that's, you know, those are like probably the two greatest vampire movies of the 1980s. Um, but I wouldn't exactly call them comedies first and foremost. Um, I think if you take what we do in the shadows and Dracula dead and loving it off the table and you say, okay, what are, you know, what are five vampire comedies? Nobody should miss. You go vampires kiss. And then I would go George Hamilton's love at first bite from 1979. Um, uh, there's a vampire mockumentary from Belgium called vampires that you can get on dvd that is very funny and very fun um there's a, a movie for uh called let the wrong one in not let the right one in from uh, uh sweden and um or i'm sorry from ireland and i'm actually quoted on the trailer for that so it's kind of a proud moment for me but it's an irish uh it's an irish vampire uh sort of family comedy uh, not family as in take your kids. How the hell did family. they get away with that freaking name is what I want to know. I'm sorry to interrupt it's, you. But... It's a dumb name. It's a dumb name, I think. I don't think it's a great name, but it's a great movie. It's really a movie that does the closest to what what we do in the shadows does in terms of pathos and heart and, um, and laugh out loud uh, humor. And then the last one is a movie that I, it just amazes me. Nobody else seems to know about this movie. It's called Frostbite. It's from 2006. It was from Sweden. And it's, you know, there've been all these movies about vampires invading parties and, you know, frat, you know, house situations and things like that. This is a movie about a, a, a vampire outbreak that infects this party that these teenagers are having in, in Sweden. And it's a Swedish movie. It's funny. It's got incredible effects and totally somebody needs to make sure you see it. So, you know, those, those are five movies right off the bat that I would, I would sort of put this with. You know, I'm not a big comedy person. I'll enjoy a good comedy when it comes around, but I think I'm, I think my list is complete. Only vampire comedies. I wouldn't even call love at first bite a comedy. I mean, I guess it is. It is. You've seen love at first bite. I'm sorry. I read. I, I read the. I, I read the uh, vampires kiss. I read the wrong line. I was uh, <laughs> being a little dyslexic there, reading, re- not putting my brain in my uh, words. Together. I won tickets. I won tickets to go see Love at First Bite by answering uh, a quiz in our paper in the South Bend Tribune uh, in 1979 when it came out, and I got dinner for two at the local uh, pizza joint and free tickets to the movie. It was awesome. <laughs> I took my cousin Jimmy. Well, 
I hope Jimmy's doing okay. <laughs> so um, we're doing another fun, upbeat movie for our next episode. What is the next episode we're doing? Uh, oh, I was um, afraid. You missed your cue. Oh my god! You're no Nick Cage, I'll tell you that. But uh, we're doing Bo's Afraid next, in which uh, yes. it's an up, upbeat comedy about werewolves, isn't it? <laughs> um, yes, Nicholas Holt. You know, having played a vampire uh, uh, type creature and having played a zombie in Warm Bodies, it plays a werewolf, and Bo is afraid. No, you know, some people theory. thought that the uh, because the last name is Lobo and they use the wolf symbol symbol in this movie. Some people told me. They expected the gangsters to end up being werewolves. Oh, that see now that would have been great. I would have liked that. It would have made more sense. No, they're just kind of randomly gangsters. Okay, there hasn't been a werewolf gangster movie, I don't think. Bo is afraid. Excuse me, is the new Ari Aster film? If you don't know Ari Aster, um, he did Hereditary, which we did an episode on, and um, Midsommar which uh, I think I liked a little better than, than Mike, but it is three hours long. It uh, supposedly spans the gap of what it can do in a movie in terms of the human you know, condition on display. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing it. It's been a very divisive film in cinemas. And Mike and I are already thinking we may or may not agree on uh, what it has to offer, but uh, I feel like you're going to like it no matter what, Dave. I, I, you know, you loved Midsummer, right? Well, I, I was lukewarm on Midsummer, and I already know the things you're not going to like about Boa's Prey. So I, I mean, I, I'm trying. I try to keep an open mind, but I know that the things that I didn't like about Midsummer were seems like they're the, they're going all in on it on Boa's Afraid, and it's been compared to some of. Uh, charlie kaufman's works and it yeah. sounds like a charlie kaufman work when i read the like synopsis like a, a guy wandering around feeling depressed now at the same time it's i've also seen it compared to uh, charlie kaufman's film um i'm thinking of ending things which we covered on this podcast which i loved so it you know we'll see but if it's going to be like a depressed a psychedelic trip through a man's neuroses then i don't know if i need to spend three hours on that i live that <laughs> You know, the anti-joker kind of yeah it could be but no i'm keeping an open mind and you know i think hereditary is one of the greatest movies of this century so um wow that's fantastic i love you, that you said what, that. what wouldn't you put you think that's that is that that's not an original take though right um i think that um i i, I think that hereditary is you know so many horror movies especially now post hereditary are made about trauma of one kind or another. Mm-hmm. I think that hereditary is absolutely the ultimate statement on, on that. I think Midsummer, Midsummer gets into that too. And you haven't seen the director's cut, which I, I have haven't. not. And it's substantially so, longer and flesh. And this is longer. So maybe the things with Midsummer, if they were more fleshed out, I would love, I don't know. I'd have to see the uh, thing, but you know, you know, Ari Aster is a little, he's one year younger than me. And, uh, Maybe we have similar neuroses, and he, he does kind of have the millennial angst, and that's kind of one of the, why the reason one of the reasons I would put Hereditary way up the um, list. Even though there's not really a millennials in Hereditary, Dave, I think you can tell that a millennial made it. <laughs> like Tony yeah. Collette's not a millennial, and the the children aren't millennials; they're younger, they're Gen X. Or I'm sorry, Gen Z. Um, but at the same time, the things that the the film is worried about. I think you can tell a 36 year old man 
made it. And we'll see. Oh, is afraid. It's probably going to be all that. Maybe I love that part. But three hours, you might be starting in negative points, Dave. Well, the, <laughs> the, the elephant in the room, the elephant in the room with, 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 uh, that I'm going to have in the back of my mind when we go see Bo is, uh, Bo is afraid is, um, are the Daniels and their movie Swiss Army Man and everything everywhere all at once. Because I think this business of life as a journey, um, that you have to sort of just face and, 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 and find a way to maintain your humanity in the midst of, um, you know, is let's face it, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once made about the perfect version of that you're ever going to watch. Is there room in the universe for more movies of that type? Um, at this point in the public hunger, um, I don't know what kind of box office both pull, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. I don't think this is going to be anything like any of the Daniels movies, but I, I could be very wrong. It seems like a very personal, inside one person's mind movie, where I, like the Daniels movies are a big story about people. I think this is going to be at, at a hard to decipher inside a person's mind, like Charlie Kaufman, but. I don't know. Let, let's revisit the, what we think it's going to be and what it actually is after we uh, watch it. And it's Joaquin Phoenix. So, so yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You're no longer in negative points. You're now in positive points. Yeah. Uh, the three-hour length. Um, it's my second. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what, Dave? Good good mention there. It's back in positive points before the I know. game even starts. I You know? And it's not Joker too. So I mean, there's more positive points. We were very um, we were very separated on Joker, but nothing. None of my complaints about Joker are with regard to Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Hopefully, he doesn't shoot anybody uh, shoot anybody in front of a live studio audience in this movie. Well, spoiler! Talk about spoiler free section. Thank you for listening.